This week's episode of Kaiju Weekly is proudly sponsored by our friends at Toku Toy Town. Check out their vast selection of kaiju collectibles, tokusatsu toys, and rare safubi at tokutoytown.com. And stay tuned later on in the episode for a special discount code just for you, the faithful Kaiju Weekly listener. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Kaiju Weekly, the weekly podcast that introduces you to the wide world of giant monster movies. I am your host, Travis, not a ferret, and my co-host, Michael, also not a ferret. hey And we are joined by someone who might be a ferret, Elijah Thomas from the Kaiju Conversations podcast. Hello. I don't. I I don't know. Maybe I I might have some ferret vibes. Yeah, you got a little ferret vibes. No, uh, I mean, he's less. I mean, he's he's less ferrety than someone else we know. That shall yeah, be he's mm-hmm. less ferret. So so the reason why we are we're clarifying whether we are ferrets or not ferrets is because last week uh, I was out because of family emergency and sickness, uh, and so Michael got an emergency co-host on and he brought in a ferret an actual live ferret to be the co-host last week i did and and surprisingly the ferret did a really decent job i was really surprised by by the ferret's ability to have a conversation with me about that movie yeah yeah uh it's so funny because this is such an inside joke for it's even more of an inside joke than some of our other inside jokes And the, the listeners and, and our listeners are going to be like, what? I don't understand. Uh, and we're not going to explain it. So uh, are you guys ready to get into the news for this week? Yep. Let's cue the beady beady. Cue the beady beady. All right, so we only have a couple of bits of news, but our first bit of news is that Kaiju Ramen Issue 3 is finally coming out on Friday. So this episode's going out on Wednesday. In just a couple of days on Friday, the magazine should be available for digital download and purchase. Uh, The printed copies will be coming soon. Uh, we just have to wait for the printer to get with us and and finish everything off. So so yeah. printed issues are still a little ways away, but the digital copies will be available. And we are so excited to finally be putting this out there for everyone. Yeah, it seems like this issue, for some reason, this it feels like this issue has given us the most trouble out of all the issues so far. All two. All well, all two issues. This is the most <laughs> troublesome of the th- of the three issues that we're going to publish. This is by far the most troublesome. Yes, we've had some issues with this issue, but uh, but yeah, we're we're getting it done, and uh, we want to say uh, thank you to everyone who's been patient and waiting for this issue to come out. Uh, we're sorry that it's running late, but better late than never. And also want to say, if you are a Kickstarter supporter who had, who had supported us back in December when we ran our Kickstarter, uh, you will be getting the issue a day or so early. So be, 
be uh, looking in your inboxes for the digital copy to drop. Exciting. Yeah, yeah. So I'm really excited for everybody to see this issue. I'm really proud of the work we did. It's just, it's turning out really great. And and yeah, I'm just really excited for everyone to to be able to look at it, read it, and enjoy it. Yeah, I am too. I think it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be a really exciting issue. Uh, there's a little bit of, there's a little mix of everything in this issue. Uh, I know that issue two was pretty heavily GVK focused, but yeah, with this one, you're going to get a little mix of, of just about everything. So I'm pretty excited to put this in people's hands. Yeah. Elijah, do you have an opinion or thought that you'd like to share? I mean, I'm pretty biased, but like, uh, I'll just say this from, from what you have told me, Travis, I am beyond excited for the uh, diversity of content uh, that will be featured uh, due to the fact that uh, it, you know uh, when when you guys started this this magazine it was very much you want to like, like you like you say in your uh, in your podcast explore the wide world of giant monsters and that mm -hmm. was the same approach you took with you know, the magazine, and I think this issue especially is going to really show that that desire to, you know, explore the wide world of giant monsters. And, and I'm very excited to get my, my uh, PDF and my printed copies. Yeah, I'm going to put you on the spot real quick, Elijah. Uh, I'm going to assume that you have read every single issue so far, cover to cover. Okay. What has been your favorite issue? What has been your favorite article so far? And you can't say your own. Ah, I was going to say, well, there is a nice issue and and number uh, article in issue two, but uh, actually, there's a few. Mm, you know that that's a great question. Um, but, mm, <laughs> it's funny because I actually have both issues. I'm sitting out right now, and I'm just looking. And if I hear if I hear you thumbing through them, you're a cheater. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what I, I was doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I did like Nathan's King Caesar one. I thought that was pretty cool. The the exploration of that one. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got a lot of nostalgia for Travis's issue because I remember him messaging me and it's like does this look okay and i was like this looks great and i i remember like the the nostalgia with that one um and i really like the theater versus streaming one because didn't re remind correct me if i'm wrong but those two different authors writing on their views and experiences right that was correct. It was two different. It was two different experiences. Two different author. Two different authors. Two different perspectives. And I really like that. I thought that was really cool because most of the time, you know, it's just one person who does probably have a bias for either side talking about. And this time we had two different people giving their honest opinion, and I really like that. Okay. So. All right. Just trying to keep you honest, buddy. Okay, uh -huh. Michael. Well, then, then you answer the question. Then, what has been your favorite article so far in the in the two issues that have come out already? And you can't say your own. And you need so to I'm choose wisely. I'm not allowed to. I am not allowed to say uh, my review of GVK. Then, no, no, you are not allowed to. 
And that Actually, is not the best wrong. article. <laughs> no, no, that it's is far not. from being the best article. No, I'm just, no, I, I'm just playing with it. It's really good. No, it's not. Okay, so honestly, out of the out of the ones that out of the ones that we've had so far, I really enjoyed the Mechagodzilla article, and I really, 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 really liked uh, Sam's article on Skull Island. Uh, that was been one of my favorites so far. Uh, also, Chris uh, Chris McDonald's perspective on uh, the fandom or the, the I think it's the 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 G community during COVID was super interesting because it was a time it was timely topic at the time. There's a lot of times for issue one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for me, I think I really, really enjoy the King Caesar uh, article. That was one that like immediately whenever we talked about doing the magazine, that was like one of the first things that jumped to my mind of like, I want a King Caesar article because the history of, of King Caesar and Okinawa is such an interesting thing. But uh, also I really liked uh, Eric's article in the first oh, issue yeah. from film yeah. bo- uh, from film snob to fanboy was just, yeah. it, it's such an interesting perspective to look at because so many people, so many of us in the Kaiju community are ones who grew up with this stuff, or at least, you know, found it when we were very young and to get the perspective of someone who did not grow up with this stuff, did not take it seriously, did not view these monster movies as anything other than silly, dumb stuff, and then to slowly progress over time into a full-on fan and and really appreciate you know and really appreciates the stuff now i think that that exploration of his journey from from that uh from one to the other is really interesting it is it is it's it 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 really it really is one of the more interesting articles that we have published for the magazine and i am super happy that eric allowed us to to publish that because that after eric let me read that for the first uh, he was i think he was going to publish it to a web to another website and he let me read it and i said hey man uh, can we have this for the magazine? And he was super generous to let us publish it. So yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's not to, not, not to downplay any of the people who have written for us, uh, and who are going to write for us because we have a lot of talented people who are working on this magazine, who are sending us articles, who are, uh, sending us artwork, who are sending us all kinds of stuff. So it's just, it, it's amazing how many people, have been reaching out to us wanting to be a part of this and and it's helped us to reach our goal our goal of the magazine is to not just celebrate the movies but to celebrate the fans of those movies and their kind of creative outlets and how they express their love for these movies so yeah it's it's really great i love and and i love artist alley of course because then we get to really see the creativity that is in the fandom uh, in all of its different forms, whether it be, you know, actual physical art form or, you know, whatever. Like we have a cosplayer who's going to be featured in this issue three. So, uh, yeah, it's it's just really great. Yeah, uh, and it really was. I, I'm I'm super proud of the work we've done so far, and I'm really proud of issue three. I hope, fingers crossed, people are going to love it as much as as much as we have. I know it's um, I know I know that when you're this close to your own work, it's a little you you have your eyes are your eyes are so are somewhat clouded but i'm hoping that people really enjoy it yep 
Uh, and so that's enough of our in-house uh, self-congratulating uh, news. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on to some actual news in the Kaiju community. So um, uh, the one first little quick bit of news I want to cover just real quick, but and then we'll move on to some other stuff because it's kind of just my thing and very personal uh, or not personal, but also just something I really love. The Common Writer W anime. Uh, we got news that it's going to be animated by Studio Kai, which is a relatively new studio. Mm -hmm. uh, their works include Uma Musume, uh, the second season, and Super Club. So, uh, which uh, Super Club is a slice of life kind of anime involving motorcycles. Sounds like it's a perfect fit for a common rider uh, anime. Uh, I just am still so excited that we're getting an anime about are based around one of my favorite common writer series. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, I mean, it, it looks uh -huh. really good. The, the, the still images that the still images that we've seen so far look really, really good for it. I think the still images that we've gotten are actually the covers and artwork from the manga. Cause it, cause it, it this, the common writer W was also adapted into a manga. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so, and the the manga, if I'm right, the manga is going to be what's adapted into the anime. So it just, it, yeah, I, I'm really excited for this. Just as a common writer fan, as a common writer W fan, so I just had to throw that in there real quick before we actually talk about other kaiju news. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's. I mean, it's super important. I know. I, I mentioned. Um, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we're going to try to sneak in more common writer news whenever we find it, even if it is small. Uh, just to give some exposure to that franchise. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And w one thing I'm, I'm, so I'm actually excited for this anime. You, you can, you can quote me on that. Um, but one thing I'm really excited for is the fact that it, I think it is being brought to America. Like Funimation's going to subtitle it and then eventually dub it. From what I've been able to gather, and I'm really excited for that because. If it does well, I guarantee you we're going to be seeing more Common Rider over here, which is, I know, Travis's goal and, you know, my hopes and desires, because I want to I wanna be able to have that on my shelf as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I think it'll do a lot to boost the popularity of Common Rider, just like the, the Ultraman uh, anime on Netflix helped mm -hmm. boost the Ultraman uh, popularity. And help reach mm -hmm. more people. So yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Uh, so moving on to the next uh, bit of news, we have news about G Fest. So it was announced that G Fest is still scheduled for 2022. Their 2021 uh, schedule was canceled, but uh, they are still scheduled for 2022. And registrations are open. You can find out more information at gfan.com if you are interested in registering or trying to go to uh, G Fest this year or uh, next year. Oh, I'm yeah, I, I'm going to try to go. I'm already talking with um, I'm already talking with a few people that we know about uh, uh, kind of pulling our pulling our pennies together and getting a room together just to kind of save on space and save on cost. But as of right now, uh, I think there are, I was looking it up the other day. I think there are still rooms at the Hyatt hotel, which, uh, which is where G fest 
will be held next year. They are changing venues. So there are rooms still available at the time of this recording. So if you are one of those people that wants to go to G-Fest, if you're hoping and praying that G-Fest will actually happen next year, um, I would check out their I would check out gfan.com uh, for any information on that. Yeah. Uh, I'm more willing to go out and attend G-Fest now than I was, mm-hmm. you know, last year and, and this year, be- and, you know, of course they were canceled, but, but, uh, I mean, I, I've been vaccinated. A lot of people I know have been vaccinated. I know more about how to protect myself from COVID and stuff. So I'm a little bit less hesitant to go out, but I still want to remind everyone who's listening that, COVID-19 is still real and we still have, we have the variants that are popping up now. So as much as G fest, we love G fest and, and you know, who knows we may, me and Michael, Michael, uh, me, one, you know, one, uh, one or both of us may end up attending. Don't put yourself in harm's way just for G fest. There are more important things in life than that and that includes your life Uh, so please please everyone stay safe but you know if we're able to have it in a safe way then and and people feel safe doing it then yeah it'll be as of right now it's still scheduled to happen really quick elijah are you planning on going next year if they have i have my registration for my room and my tickets already so oh well good for you um, there we go so, uh, next bit of news, uh, you guys last week talked about this Playmates Gorosaurus from 68 and Rodan 56, uh, action figures, toys, whatever you want to call them, um, coming out. Uh, we got the, the news was that they were supposed to be Walmart exclusive, but now we're getting reports that they're going to be coming out in Target as well. So I'm not sure what the deal is, but... The, it's the fact that they're if they're becoming available in more places, that's great. It means scalpers can't go and buy everything, and then it, it reduces the amount of scalpers who can just buy everything up uh, because there's always other stores to go to. Uh, right. But also, you know, it means it's more available to people. And yeah, so so it's I, I'm just a little confused by this. Yeah, they were meant to be. I think they were meant to be Target exclusives. But I was talking with somebody today that actually was able to walk in, walk into a Target and walk into a Walmart and they are on shelves. So they are on shelves at both Walmart and Target. Uh, The price point is going to be $12.99 for both. Um, They look really great. I remember back uh, several episodes ago, Travis, we talked about Playmates when they first started making Godzilla toys. And they were, um, let's say, less than stellar. Yeah. Um, yeah. But these look great. Uh, these look great. They're 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 modeled. Uh, they're they're modeled after or after Bandai molds. So Bandai uh, is the famous toy brand that all that produces all the giant monster and kaiju toys uh, that we grew up with as a kid. And yeah, they look solid. So uh, if I see them out in the wild, I'll probably grab them. Uh, because they look they look really really good, Elijah. What do you think so far? Yeah, so to to put my two cents into the ring of how they're a target, um, to my understanding. So this happened with NECA as well. Originally, NECA was like exclusive to to like these 
these stores and eventually they made their way to Target and they made a huge deal over it and then Walmart. So I think the plan is, you know, when Playmates initially did it, they had a working relationship with Walmart and Walmart was like, yeah, let's do it. And I think it was because they kind of grandfathered in the Bandai creations agreement. Yeah, the Bandai America line. Mm-hmm. And then I think Playmates and Toho have been, because Toho's whole thing is, we want Godzilla everywhere. That's what Toho's doing. So I think what it what happened was, they've been working, and now they've made a deal with Target, which is like the second biggest uh, retail store um, when it comes to uh, these, uh, you know, when it comes to toys and whatnot. So I think that was their next goal, and then, you know, they'll probably go into, like, FYE and all those other stores uh, as, as time goes on um, because they want to branch out from just one or two retailers. That's my two cents, at least. Yeah, there's not a whole lot to talk about here, and we can move on in a second, but I will add hashtag save the vinyl. So if you see them and you can afford them, buy them before the scalpers do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because no one wants to see a $12 or a $13 Gorosaurus pop up on eBay for $300 because I have seen that mm-hmm. happen before. Mm-hmm. I, uh, if they ever come out with a Mechanicong, I would love to get a Mechanicong and a Gorosaurus just because I really like those two monsters and I like the movie that they're from. So I would love to put those two uh, on my shelf. But I'm not much of a collector, so like I'm not, you know, scrambling to go out and get these. But at the same time, uh, yeah, these look really cool. I didn't get a chance to talk about it because uh, you guys uh, recorded it without me last week. But yeah, these these look really good. I I'm glad that they are making a Gorosaurus that is budget friendly for people because mm-hmm. for people like me who who are more you know who are not necessarily going out and spending $300 on a, you know, super detailed, you know, statue, we can get a cheaper, more budget-friendly alternative that also does look really good. Yeah, exactly. I think so. I think so. And I think uh, I was I was telling this to a friend of mine the other day. I think my days of my days of seeking after the big high-end toys is about to slow down a little bit. Um, so I have, I have been buying a few things, but they've been more budget friendly things. Um, uh, as I kind of get deeper and deeper into Sentai and Power Rangers, I've been kind of, uh, seeking out some of those, seeking out some like lightning collection and some other things of that nature that are a little bit more budget conscious. Uh, so that's going to do it for the news. So we can go ahead and hop into our main topic. And before we get into our main topic, we also want to uh, give a shout out to our sponsor, Toku Toy Town. Toku Toy Town is an online shop committed to bringing serious collectors and casual fans alike the very best, rarest, and coolest in the world of Safubi, Tokusatsu toys, and kaiju collectibles. Jay and his team strive to be the first place you look when you're trying to hunt down the hard-to-find exclusive Marusan or that M1 with the unique color 
Stellar Way or that personal X Plus Holy Grail. Uh, most importantly, they understand your journey because they are collectors too. Uh, they've been incredibly generous to provide our listeners with the discount code KAIJUWEEKLY to use at checkout and receive 10% off your next order. No minimums to buy, unlimited uses, fast shipping, and great customer service. Yeah, and I was super, I actually uh, bought, I actually ordered a few things from them uh, last week. And one thing as a collector, the one thing I appreciate is fast shipping and uh, when they ship, they ship things securely because a lot of these things that we buy as collectors, like uh, vintage Bandai's, Safube, and some and some Safube figures, like were mentioned, I mean they're expensive, and you don't want them to get messed up in transit while uh, uh, while they're trying to come to your house and to your shelves. So one thing I really appreciated about these guys is how well those items were packaged and how fast they came. And actually, how affordable uh, some of the prices are. So I'm I'm impressed by these guys at, at Toku Toy Town. Yeah, and so make sure again to check out TokuToyTown.com. Use the the discount code Kaiju Weekly for ten percent off your next purchase. All right, and for our main topic this week, uh, we didn't have a trivia question necessarily, but we did run a listener's choice poll. But then we also did kind of have a, a trivia question because. Uh, this episode was supposed to be done a couple of weeks ago, and it was we supposed to be done six weeks ago because this six was weeks epi- ago this was this episode. This is episode eighty six. So this ep- this we were supposed to review this on episode eighty. Ah, okay. Um, but yeah, so we ran. Uh, this is Listener's Choice Month. Uh, is this the first week of Listener's? No, last week was the first week of Listener's Choice. So this, this is the first week. Of, the second week. This is the first week that I'm on Listener's mm-hmm. Choice. Uh, month and uh, so we ran a poll the the three options we gave were the great wall from 2010 uh gareth edwards monsters from 2010 uh which is not garth Oth edwards <laughs> monsters like it's written here in the show notes um, and and the great wall is not from 2010 that that movie's <laughs> actually i believe from 2018 16, 20, uh, 16, 20, 16. 20, 2016. I'm so okay. sorry. This whole thing is screwed up, Michael. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, and, this is uh, what happens. This is what happens when I try to write the notes five minutes before we record. Uh, so yeah, the great wall from 2016, which is the Matt Damon one, uh, which I do still want to watch. We are going to cover these movies at some point. So it's just, we, we just wanted to put them up to see, who, uh, what, listeners would want out of the three uh first and uh so great wall got seven percent of the votes uh gareth edwards monsters from 2010 uh got 32 percent and howl from beyond the fog from 2020 got 60.7 percent of the votes and yeah like you said back in when we were doing uh we were supposed to do this back in episode 80 we asked the trivia question and i promised that even though we put off the episode uh i would still read out the responses to the trivia question so we had asked the trivia question what is the most recent film to be inspired by ray bradbury's 1951 short story the foghorn and we've got a bunch of responses so starting with uh nick blackler one of my favorites the leghorn cometh i say i say i say <laughs> uh Nick, you're all you always do a great job and you're always good uh with sending us and they and he usually sends us a little photo and I think he did send us a photo for, or this one too. Uh but I it got buried underneath in all of my stuff, all of my messages because of 
time. <laughs> it got buried in all of your nonsense is what it got buried in. Yes, it did. Uh, and then we got uh, this other person. I'm not sure how to pronounce this name. It's Elijah. I think it's Uriah. Uriah. Uh, <laughs> who said Yeti from Beyond the Fog. That's a good oh. answer. <laughs> That's a great answer. While you're here, Elijah, me and you have to give Michael a hard time because when he was reading out your trivia response last week, mm -hmm. uh, it he thought you sent him a poem, but it was actually a song by Bob Seger and the Silver Bullet Band. And why Michael didn't recognize yeah. that. <laughs> Come on, dude. Yeah, Mike, uncultured. uncultured. Well, to be fair, to be fair, you, Travis, you messaged me and said it was walking in Memphis. Oh, that yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. I th at first, I thought it was walking in Memphis. I was walking in Memphis. I was walking with my head 10 feet off. The anyway, uh, but no, yeah, no. It, it, I, I, I knew which song it was. I just got the names wrong. But uh, yeah, no, it was. And those Hollywood nips. And those Hollywood <laughs> lights. <laughs> <laughs> uh anyway <laughs> thank you uh, elijah for always sending us always reminding everyone that yeti is a thing that exists and we still have not covered it on the podcast <laughs> hey man i you have to spread the word of yeti i i i live by that spread the word of yeti i own two copies of that movie so if i need to i can let somebody borrow one Elijah's a Yeti Costal. A Yeti Costal. Instead of tongues, uh, instead of tongues of fire appearing above his head, it was like a fire that a nipple that was on fire it's that a appeared above. Fire. He's speaking I fell in nips. Into a greater nip of fire, and it burns, burns, burns. <laughs> he's speaking. Oh. In, he's speaking in nipples. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was walking with nipples. <laughs> okay, that's enough. okay. So Jimmy from NASA <laughs> sent us uh, the Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, uh, the remake, aka Godzilla, nineteen ninety-eight. Jimmy, Which, I, I don't even know what to make of this. Well, in Jimmy's defense, this is around the time we were we were going to cover Godzilla nineteen ninety-eight, so that's why. Oh, okay, okay, I got gotcha. you. I we, had, we had either covered Godzilla 1998 by then, or we were getting ready to cover Godzilla 1998. And if we had not covered it yet, Jimmy, you're going to have to tell us how do you know what we're going to cover before we even know we're going to cover it. Mm, I don't like this. I don't like uh, this at all. Nathan from the Monster Island Film Vault sent us Celsius 233, uh, which I actually really like. That's a really smart and uh, funny it's not it's not a ha ha laugh out loud kind of joke, but it's one of those. It's like ah, I get it. It's one. It's one of those ones that the British guy would. Mm, yes, yes, indeed. Because <laughs> uh, it's a very intelligent joke. Wait, and then wait. Hang wait, on. is that fog? Is that when fog accumulates? No, no. Celsius two thirty three is a is a play on Fahrenheit four fifty five, which is four fifty one. Four fifty one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> i'm not very intelligent um but uh yeah 451 uh which is a ray bradbury story and ray bradbury is the one who wrote foghorn so yeah anyway 
I, I get you. I'm on the yeah. same uh, brain waves as you now. Yeah, Nathan, we know you read a book. Congratulations. Slow clap that's, for that's... Nathan, everyone. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's probably the best. That is probably the smartest thing Nathan has ever done is read a book. Uh, well, I mean, to be fair. Don't be, don't be mean, Elijah. No, that's not being mean. I mean, like, that's like, it's like, it's that, it's that, you know, that meme that's like, like, you're going to go say something and you're going to be like, mm, well, well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, can't argue with that. Uh, Listen, he's beating me by 0.5 and I have taken the lead again by 0.5. I need to make sure he's aware of that. <laughs> uh, moving on, we've got Damon Noyes who sent in the Guanji Destination Voyage to the Mysterious Island of Sinbad. Which combines all of our favorite Harryhausen films. Yep. Yep. So great. Thank you, Damon. Uh, Kaiju Kim said, Littlefoot meets the Muppets, a foggy adventure. Yeah. That's great. I like that. Kermy. <laughs> That's all you're going to say? <laughs> That's all I'm going to say is Kermit the Frog. I am Kermit the Frog. Kermy. Kermy. Oh, Kermy. <laughs> Uh, just uh, like like it sounded like you were building up to something and then it just kind of stopped there <laughs> like no, wait, uh, that's okay it. that's all i got that's all i got <laughs> uh raymond martin also sent us a clash of the fog beast from beneath the sea thank you raymond and then Chris Deggle sent us The Lighthouse. Also, there is this one episode of the first season of the Pokemon anime featuring a kaiju-sized kaiju Dragonite, which was heavily inspired by the Foghorn, just as a funny piece of trivia. Thank you oh. for that trivia. Uh, I've actually seen that, Chris. And uh, I, it's, I, did, I haven't watched Pokemon since I was probably like 13 years old, but I do remember that episode. And I think a big reason why I remember that is because it had the giant Dragonite in it. And I love that. So it was, uh, it was always fun. I was never a big Pokemon fan. I always liked Digimon. I liked Digimon too. Well, I liked Digimon <laughs> when I got to be a like older teenager. Uh, I liked Pokemon when I was younger yeah, and then Digimon was it's like I don't know I don't know why I transitioned from one to the other. I don't know if it was just growing up and I I uh, Digimon just appealed to me more as an older teen than Pokemon did, possibly. Uh, and then our friend Danny Demana from the Godzilla Novelization Project sent us Artemis Howl now streaming on Disney Plus. And Danny, I just have to give you a clap because that is my favorite answer from all of these answers that was so good <laughs> it was really good uh <laughs> and uh yeah so like we said we're talking about how from beyond the fog this week uh, the cast and crew list includes it was directed by daisuke or daisuke sato we have i think it's i think it's suguru inoue uh akane kanamori michio ishimito and nana Nagao as the voices. And then we also have Tomohiro Matsumoto as Nebula, who was actually in the suit doing it. Uh, and the, the creature of Nebula was actually designed by, who was it, uh, Elijah? So, Marase. 
Marase. Yeah. That's right. I always forget who. Which, I know who he is, but I always forget his name. Yeah, he's the uh, creature designer for I think Varan, Titanosaurus, Mothra. Uh, Mothra. He did. Yeah, mighty, he's mighty Peking man. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's done a lot. I just always forget his name, Marase. Yeah, uh, and uh, we're gonna get a plot breakdown from Elijah. So Elijah, oh are you going to give us the plot breakdown? In a world set in Kyushu during the Meiji era, a somewhat simple Muppet and a blind monster Muppet from a nearby lake named Nebula M78 fight greedy developers who are totally not your typical mill-the-run rich people who threaten to take over her family's land. Using the Muppets from perhaps Muppet movies and a fantastic monster from the Muppet era, here is Owl from Beyond the Muppets. <laughs> okay. Technically, uh, they're mar okay. So technically, they're marionettes. They're not Muppets. They're they're not even marionettes. They are they Wait, are no. Bunraku, is what they are. Uh, which is a traditional Japanese puppet uh, and a traditional Japanese uh, puppet theater style is Bunraku. So that is what they are. Um, opening thoughts, fellas. Uh, let's start with Michael. Why'd you oh, no. me? Okay. Because um, we're going to start with it. We're going to start with you. And then me and Elijah's going to tell you how wrong you are. Well, I like that. Okay. That's fair. Um, I will say I have seen this movie three times and I have tried to appreciate it for what it is. And actually I do because the artistry in this movie is fantastic. It, it really is a work. It really is. It is interesting in the fact that there are no human character. There are no actual human characters per se. What, what we would deem as traditional human characters in this movie. Um, it's all puppets. I'm gonna. I'm trying. Which I gotta say though, this movie is not for me. Like this movie is not something. This movie does not tick a very important criteria that I have when I talk about movies, and that is the fact that I didn't really. This movie didn't really entertain me all that much, and it's interesting. It's well done. It, it's um. It's a it, it's a unique entry in the kaiju genre, and I can appreciate it for that. You heartless beast of a man! I know. What what what? <laughs> so, so to translate that, hi, my name's Michael, and I don't understand art, and I don't appreciate it. I think big fun dumb movie best: Godzilla versus <laughs> Kong Team Godzilla. I don't talk in I do not talk in pigeon English. Thank you, uh, Uriah. <laughs> um, no. Okay, so uh, to like, I get where Michael is coming from. I get where you're coming from. This is a movie that is definitely not for everyone. Um, I we were talking about it last night. I was talking about it with someone. Uh, who kept me up until four o'clock in the morning talking to me. Uh, <laughs> but we were, we, started, we were talking about this movie and uh, I said, this movie is kind of like a Jackson Pollock painting. 
Whereas you can kind of appreciate why Jackson Pollock is considered and why his artwork is considered very influential, very important into the artwork, you know, to, to art, uh, to, to artistic movements and stuff. But you also just have to be the type of person that that kind of artwork appeals to, uh, to really enjoy it. And, and if it doesn't appeal to you, then it's just, you can't enjoy it. So that's what I think of when I think of this movie, it's like, it's like going to a museum, seeing a piece of art and you know, it's, it's significant, you know, it's important, but it just doesn't specifically appeal to your sense of artistic value and that's that's how this movie is. I can yeah, see, I, I can see that movie being this way. I'm glad this movie exists. Don't get me wrong. Like I'm not super warm. I'm I'm not as I'm not super warm to this movie like a lot of the people in the fandom are. Um, just simply because it's just not my taste. It's just and and Elijah can go ahead and say, "Oh, you have bad taste." Maybe I do have bad taste, but this movie is not my taste. Uh, no, I, don't, I, can, I don't think you have bad taste. I can appreciate why this movie exists and I can admire its uh, technical artistry. But as a movie, it's not something that I'm going to pop in and rewatch that often. I may show it to a couple more people just to get their perspectives on it. Um, Elijah, before we get too deep into the conversation, uh, what's your opening thoughts on this movie? You know, I, I, I can definitely see where Michael's coming from. To be honest, like I when I first saw it, like when I saw the 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 style they went with, I was like, "Ooh, that's kind of hard to get used to." Um, because I, I I like live action. I like you know people on screen. I, I'm not an animation guy, and I've not been I'm not too fond of puppets or you know things that aren't human. So it was, it was like, it took me a few minutes to just kind of get used to what I was watching. Um, but that being said, I, I loved, after the first like five minutes, I just loved it. Everything else was really, really good. And it's probably because it took me a bit to warm up to it. Yeah. And I, and I want to, I want to kind of, because I will, we'll talk about like the actual nitty gritty of the movie. In, in a bit, but I do want to, I, I want to keep, keep on this discuss, discussion because I think that this is something that is making or breaking this movie for a lot of people. And that's the fact that this movie is made with all puppets. It's not, there's no actual human actors on screen. It's made, it's puppet actors. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and one thing I really appreciate about that is that we get, you get to see how another culture the Japanese, you know, Japan specifically views uh, puppetry, especially this bunraku, uh, bunraku style of uh, puppetry, that they view it as an actual art form. Like they view it as just another way of telling stories. They don't view it as childish, as something that should only be used for, you know, children stuff. Whereas in America, and and I think in a small way in the UK, I think less in the UK because the UK actually does have a, a big tradition of puppet puppet shows. But in the in America specifically, uh, you get a most mostly the puppet stuff is for kids. You know, we talked about the Muppets, Sesame Street, uh, and, and even even ones who kind of like uh, kind of danced on the line between 
kids and and for adults like like uh jim henson's you know like the dark crystal and stuff like the movies that 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 jim henson was involved in um labyrinth they're still on that level of kid friendly and so i Mm -hmm. think a lot of american audiences who are going to watch this movie or who would watch this movie would be reminded of maybe it's a small world from disney or or Mm -hmm. you know something like that and less be less inclined to focus on the actual story and and acting voice acting that's in here and it's similar it's it's very similar i'm glad elijah brought up animation and animated stuff because it's very similar to how japan views animated things in japan animated movies are generally viewed as just another way of telling a story so they can be for kids they can be for adults they can be for anyone it's just another way of telling a story whereas there is just this this predisposition for american audiences that if it's animated it's for kids it's automatically for kids and you cannot break that mentality for the general audiences and i hate that because i think animation is a beautiful thing can that can be used to tell a lot of different stories and i think that's one of the things that i appreciate about this film is that it's using this art form that you might as an american typically associate with kid stuff and is telling a very very emotional and and complex story and i i and i really appreciate it for that yeah i i think and this is going to sound terrible but this is my my first ever my first viewing of this movie it didn't happen for the the last couple of viewings though i will say that it did my feelings towards it warmed up but when I first saw this, the only movie, the only thing I kept thinking of was Team America mm-hmm. or, the, or, the, or the Thunderbirds. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I could think about. I, that, that is what made that is that is how come I struggled so much to enjoy this movie the first time um, that in fact, I just did. I just flat out did not like it. I'm going to be honest. I did not. I just flat out did not like it the first time because I just could not get over the hump of it being puppets and not real people. I couldn't, I could not adjust my brain to that for some reason. It was, it was just messing with me too much uh, for me to actually get out of that headspace and enjoy it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I think that, that, and and that's a legitimate thing. I'm not, I'm not necessarily judging you harshly. I, I made a joke about, you know, us. It's fine. Giving you a hard time, but, but really I don't judge you harshly for, having that struggle because it is just a, it's a cultural barrier that is hard to break through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's what I see. That's what I see it as, as a cultural barrier. That's just hard to break through. Now mm-hmm. I will say uh, when, when we're getting into our likes and dislikes about this movie, I don't know how to critique this movie. I don't know how, how to even go about critiquing this movie because this movie, like we have said, is a piece of art. This is not a movie. This is, this is, this, if you could take this and frame it on a wall in a museum, it, it deserves that because that's what mm-hmm. it is. Mm, mm, not, mm, no. I, the, I, I, okay. Well, let's, let's get into some of the nitty gritty. So, so the, the setting for this movie, it's set during the Meiji restoration yeah something like mm-hmm. that it was which it, it was, yeah 
which if you know anything about Japanese history, the Meiji Restoration was when uh, they were restoring the power to the central government, to the emperor, uh, and from the shoguns and samurai elites that were that had been uh, basically controlling the, the government in the country for that time. And, uh, and it was also a time of industry and, and moving forward in industrializing Japan, mm -hmm. because this was also the time period where they started to open their, their borders to foreign influence. And so you had a lot of American and some, some European uh, influence starting to come in to Japan. So this is a, a, a turning point in Japanese history. That is when this movie is set. And the movie's main character, uh, Takiri, is, or Takiri, is it Takiri? I think, or? I think it's, I think it's, I was listening to it when I was, when I was watching it. I think it's Takiri. Okay, Takiri. Uh, Takiri is, kind of represents a, the 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 melding of Japanese and foreign influences because she is not full Japan or Japanese. Mm -hmm. She is uh, her father was a an American sailor. Now, because of that, she also has to face prejudice back home in Japan and her mother, who faced all of the shame that came from being involved with a foreigner and the fact that he abandoned them uh, led her mother to commit suicide, but not before blinding Takiri with a needle to hide her blue eyes. I mean, how can you say that this movie that covers that kind of topic is not just is not a, a, a piece of art, a work of art. Cause my goodness, that is a complex and deep subject to cover in. How long is this movie? It's only like 35 minutes. Yeah. 33, something like that. Because it's a plot point in a movie. Well, I, yeah, it's a, it's just a I, plot point. It's a, it's just, it's a very serious plot point. I will get, I will say that it's a really intriguing plot point and, and the, and the, and it's, it's tragic. Like I, I, I felt myself feeling something for uh, Takiri in this movie. I felt sorry for her, right? Especially, especially in that uh, that scene where she's having, where she's uh, essentially drowning, and she's having flashbacks to her childhood, and you mm -hmm. see, and all you see is the is the painting, the animation, the the painting, whatever of her blue eyes. And that's when it clicks. It's like, oh, she's not fully Japanese. And yes, that's interesting. But at the end of the day, it's still a movie and that's still a plot point. And so I, it's hard. I mean, it really is hard because I wanted to say that this movie, this movie is open to critique and this movie is open to being kind of uh, picked apart because it is a movie and that is what movies and that is what movie and media is for is to be watched and enjoyed and sometimes critiqued, sometimes critiqued. Yeah, I'm not saying that you can't. I mean, there are people who critique actual works of art. I'm saying I'm struggling to critique it because mm -hmm. I'm also having str I'm struggling to critique it because it feels very complete. It feels like this is what the creators wanted to do. I, I, and it doesn't feel like like if I'm saying, oh, this doesn't work. Well, that a lot of it was by choice. A lot of the things that they did was by choice. And 
so it's like i don't know i i i'm just i'm finding it very hard to sit down and actually critique this film let me ask you this question this is a very this is a serious question i'm not i'm not messing around and i'm not trying to be and i'm not trying to be i'm not trying to be facetious but um do you think that this movie given the fact that these are puppets and not real face actors um given the fact that the given that fact do you think that this movie maybe would have benefited more from a dubbing than just a subbing than just a subtitled version yes i i'll 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 jump in and say yeah i i think for the western audience i think that definitely would have helped 100 percent yeah i i'm i can see yeah i can see where it would help it wouldn't have made a difference to me because uh i i'm used to reading subtitles so it's not wouldn't have made a difference we're all used to reading subtitles but what i'm saying is there are so much there's so much like what what you're saying is there's so many complex things going on at once in the in this short time frame it may have been if this is probably one of those rare films that may have been have may have benefited more at least to a western audience to have a dubbed version of it since it is not real face actors and actresses um and you don't have to deal with the barrier of their their lips not syncing up with the with the sound so yeah. i think that this would actually be um and please listener don't hurt me for this this actually might be the perfect movie to be dubbed for a western audience yeah i can see that i i really think that even if you dubbed it i think the barrier of it being puppets would have been still too much that's still a huge barrier that's still one that's still a barrier that i'm struggling with when i watch it and i've seen this thing i've seen it well i've watched it three times in, in a matter of six weeks yeah um elijah what what are some what are some things that you appreciate about this film and specifics you, you know, uh, real quick, I kind of want to uh, go off of something you brought up, how you you called it a, a work of art. You know, it, it, it belongs in a museum. And I, I, while I do agree, I don't think it's, it's the plot point per se as much as um, when, when I watched it, admittedly it was the second time by the time I, I got to this. But when they go into the backstory of mm-hmm. our main character... And and it's a, you know it's more like a painting. During that, I was I, I it finally clicked with me that this is more of your artsy film. It's made to be a, a painting and not yes film. That yeah. that's whenever I picked up on it. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's not it's not just the plot points. It's not it's everything. It's everything in this movie, all coming together that just feels like this is a, definitely an art house piece um but yeah because you're you're right we because we talked about how a lot of it is filmed with puppets there is scenes that's animated in a very watercolor old japanese style of of artwork that that it's animated in and it's just like that by itself is gorgeous and then you throw in the music which the music is all done with traditional instruments that they had from the meiji period i do want to talk a little bit more about some of the music from it as we move forward but but i just think that the attention to detail in this movie in all of the layers and all of the elements working all the way down just makes it a a piece of art i just don't i don't know what else you can do it feels like a sculpture that someone spent you know 
a very long time sculpting and they've made it look exactly the way they wanted it to look. And now here it is presented to us and it's up to us to decide whether we like what's being presented or not. And for me, it, it, it touched me. It touched me on an emotional level. And, and in that way, I think that's why I view it as art because ultimately artwork is about how it impacts you emotionally, whether it's a good emotion or a bad emotion depends on the piece of art itself, but it's still, if it affects you on an emotional level, then it's, then it's artistic. It's an art piece. And it did, it hit me on an emotional level. What about this movie, Travis? That what I'm, I'm, cause I want to know, I'm, I'm really curious. What about this movie hit you on that such on, on such a deep level? Like what you tell me, what am, what am I missing? other than just looking at this movie from a surface level. Well, like I said, I think that the themes that are built into this, into the, because like you said, the, the, the idea of, of Takiri being a mixed race and then having her eyes poked out to hide the fact is just a plot point. I don't think it's a plot point. I think it, it, it goes into the ultimate theme of the movie, the theme of this movie of, Things are changing and not everything is welcomed in the new world that's that's being formed. You know, that's kind of the idea of the Meiji Restoration. The Meiji Restoration is this huge boom in industry, the chance for Japan to finally start uh, trading with foreign powers, but also... It, it also meant the destruction of a lot of Japanese natural natural life you know the the japanese wolf i think was one that was hunted to extinction uh during the meiji restoration uh the of course the samurai were all wiped out you know or absorbed into the bureaucratic uh government that was you know taking charge at this time you know so so it's just like yes it's a time of progression but there's also a lot of things from the old world that's not welcomed and Takiri is that she is this thing that repre- that is a part of a, a result of the changing of the times, but is also not welcomed. And that also mirrors with Nebula, the monster, who is a relic from a, a time period, you know, an ancient time period when people respected the land and worshipped, you know, deities and things like that of uh, and spirits of the of the world. And here's this monster that represents nature, and people are wanting to kill it and wanting to get rid of it because it's it's you know it it it's not welcomed in this new world. And then uh, again, you have the twins. The 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 other main character is is a twin. Twins were viewed as unlucky. He was sent away. He was not welcomed into this life until his brother died. And now he's coming in and being welcomed in, but only because of the circumstances. So it's just like, I, it's, it's a story about finding your place, but also realizing that while the world is progressing, that things from the past are not always welcomed right. in this new world. And, and on, on one hand, it, on one hand that can be a good thing on one hand on the other hand that can be a bad thing and in this case it's it's sad because it, you can feel the loneliness of the characters because of not being welcomed that is uh, uh, I, 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 I'll just say this I did not read into it that much I didn't uh, either um, I, I didn't but, either but, but honestly but to be but to be fair to Travis Travis is a 
is a cultural history buff, whereas right, whereas you and I aren't. Right, and and honestly, like hearing that makes me more interested um, in the film as a, uh, especially in the society we are in now. It, it really, f- I, I find it very interesting that Sato and his crew decided to go that route with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do want to touch on something that I I found really interesting that ties in with what I was saying about uh, things not being welcomed. So uh, in the film, we see Takiri, who is blind, um, playing an instrument. And she's playing what's known as a biwa. Mm-hmm. And that's a traditional instrument. It was brought over from China to Japan. And a lot of the the um, biwa hoshis, uh, which were the musicians who played biwa, they uh, were blind. A lot of them were blind. And so it does kind of like tie back into that historical side of, of things. But specifically during the Meiji Restoration, during that time period, the Biwa fell out of fashion and almost went extinct. In fact, we would not have the Biwa instrument nowadays if it wasn't for certain individuals during the Meiji Restoration who refused to give, a, give it up because ma- majority of people had moved on to more Western-style music and had actually abandoned their traditional kind of Eastern instruments. Uh, and so the Biwa almost went extinct. And in that way, it kind of, again, brings back this idea of the Meiji Restoration is progression in a social way, but also kind of destroying some of the things of the past. And the fact that Takiri is playing the instrument, not only is it hearkening back to these these priests, these blind priests, these blind monks who would play the biwa in ancient times, but also shows that she's holding on to traditional things and is not giving into the the progression that is coming from the Meiji restoration, that Meiji period. Interesting. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Michael, on the count of three, you know what to say. One, two... Three, nerd alert! <laughs> nerd. <laughs> oh, oh man. Uh, yeah. I'm like Elijah. I didn't read. I didn't read all that deep into it. Um, and then you wonder why you don't appreciate the movie as much. I well, you're, you're not, you're not re- well, I'm talking to Michael specifically. Uh <laughs> why you know why you're not appreciating the movie as much? Well, you cuz you didn't take the time to read into it. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I feel like I feel like uh uh Eric a little bit there with that argument. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like how did this how did this movie change you as a person? <laughs> That's the question he likes to ask. Uh, well, um, I mean, I didn't mean it, for you. That, that was a rhetorical. It, I mean, it, I was... it, well, I'm going to answer it anyway. It made me appreciate Godzilla versus Kong more. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, man. Uh, yeah. If there's any 
any time where Eric should have been on our podcast, it probably was doing this film. Because <laughs> right. I feel like this is right up his alley. I haven't listened to their their review on Monsters vs. Men about this movie. <laughs> uh, uh, to, to kind of go a little far off of the, the, the reading of of the the background uh, i at least for me and and uh travis you said that uh this reminded you of a sculpture somebody took very long a very long time to work on mm-hmm. so if i remember right from when i did my episode the film started production or like the development of it started in 2015 and it didn't come out until 2019 it took four years for them to create and design everything. It was a very long and tedious process, especially for a group of like 150 individuals. Um, and that's where my appreciation comes in as when you look at the film, it is very detailed. Um, when you look at Nebula, you can see every tiny crease or like scale or, you know, whatever it is. On the on the suit, you can see everything, especially considering this was all miniatures. Even mm-hmm. the people were small. Mm-hmm. Um, on every almost every special effect in the film is done tremendously well. Um, the only thing I can think of is when it's obvious they had a crew member put a green screen uh, like outfit on and walk with the puppets, just kind of bouncing them up and down. That is the right. only time I can think of a special effect that did not land perfectly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I also, so little bit of tokusatsu information that I remember. Um, so if, if you do like this film um, and this, you know, Travis, I hope you can, find this there is a 1941 i believe uh, japanese tokusatsu film called ramayama um and it, it it did the exact same thing it was all puppets and it was all practical effects it's like 41 minutes long or something i think How it's do you on spell U- that uh r-a-m-a-y-a-n-a i believe ramayana i have never I heard think- of that I think because uh, for for class once I had to do I, I had to do a video about uh, old Japanese films, and I did old tokusatsu. So I did everything from uh, nineteen twenty five to nineteen fifty four, and mm-hmm. that was like the the middle one that is still available that I could find. Hmm uh yeah so that's that's interesting okay uh we'll take a look at that i just totally threw us off topic i apologize no 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 it's so getting us sort of back on topic it's it's one of the things that we 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 talk about and, and it's one of the things that i i think is really interesting about our podcast um is there are a lot of podcasts out there who take movies very seriously and look for like the themes and, and stuff, you know, deeper meaning in every movie. And I don't think that we, you necessarily have to do that to enjoy movies. You can just enjoy movies from, for being an entertainment source. But I also am of the opinion that when a movie is presented to you, that is very deep and is meant to be, looked at 
and looked for deeper messages and stuff that it's okay to do that. Like it, it, you know, that, that you can do that and that can add to the enjoyment of the movie. And in that, and, and that's where I am with how from beyond the fog, like, yes, I enjoy dumb, silly movies. I enjoy, I enjoyed Godzilla versus Kong. I enjoy things that, that are kind of mindless, just fun action that entertain me just for entertainment's sake. But this movie was presented to me in a way to where it said, here is an artistic exploration of themes and emotions. And so I watched it that way. And I took something from it for that. And it affected me in an emotional way because of, of the way it was done. And so that's why I'm approaching this movie in such an, in such a, a, a way that maybe is more akin to something like our friends at Kaiju Apostle or, or, you know, giant monster messages or something like that it was something they might do in their podcast. We don't typically do in our podcast because we're more about just having fun. Mm -hmm. But this movie was presented to me and I have found entertainment, not just in what was presented to me, but the deeper themes and meaning that was in the movie. Right. Right. And, and, you know, I, I, I said, I, I didn't read too deep into it. Um, but I, I still, you know, I still found, uh, enjoyment out of it because of its effects. Um, so like you can like it for other reasons and you can like and dislike it for, for the same reasons we're discussing. It's, it's too metaphorical or it's, you know, the special effects aren't exactly what you're akin to or, you know, the, the, uh, one, one, uh, one, uh, critique I've heard is the music, the final song does not fit the film or uh, it's too slow, or it's not enough monster stuff. No, I, th I think the music I think the music was appropriate for this movie. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think the movie was perfectly appropriate for the movie. That's just yeah. the criticism I've heard from people that I've right. talked to about this. Um, but like, I, I can see why some people wouldn't like it as much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely like, and like I said, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to try not to repeat myself, but mm -hmm. like I said, it is, it is different in such a way that, um, it's, it's so different and so unique within the, ki even within the kaiju genre that where we get all kinds of different things that, mm -hmm. you know, we, we've gotten so much different media over the last several years that even this film stands apart and it's one of those films, like Travis said earlier, you either like it or you don't. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't even think it's a, a like it or don't. I think it's uh, this movie is presented in a way that has some cultural barriers that you either overcome and and can appreciate the, watching it or you just don't overcome and it and it prevents you from appreciating. Because I, I think ultimately the movie the one the thing that is preventing people or that would prevent people from watching it is the cultural barrier right. and and so that's yeah I, I don't think it's it's not one of those movies that's like there's good qualities and bad qualities of it i think this movie is legitimately a 10 out of 10 fantastic movie and the only thing that would prevent anybody from watching it is just not being able to overcome the the cultural barrier and that's fine and that's legitimate and there's nothing wrong with that 
for, mm-hmm. that someone is like that. But I think I, I am of the opinion like this movie is a 10 out of 10 and that that the only reason that you might not enjoy it is because of that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's, and, not, it's and, not an example of of a mixed movie that's like, well, I can see the positives and the negatives in it. No, I think this movie is just all positives. The only thing that would prevent you from seeing that is the cultural barrier. Right. Right. And if for me, like I, I, I don't want, I've never watched Sesame street. I never watched the Muppets. I didn't watch Jim Henson's labyrinth or actually I saw labyrinth, but it's been a long, long time. It's like a fever dream now. So I am not, used to the puppet style of filmmaking i haven't even watched uh like thunderbirds or anything like that mm-hmm. so for me at least watching howl was a new experience something that i'm not used to so i didn't go in with this concept of of you know what what films with puppets are uh unlike how I do have a viewpoint of animation to an extent that it's for kids. And, you know, that's that's a, a culture thing for me to get over, too. Right. It is. Um, I think, yeah, I, there's a, this movie is, there's a lot to say about this movie, but I think we've said pretty much all the main things we were going to say about it. So are you guys ready to move on to our scores and our final thoughts? Yeah, we can. Um, yeah, so so we can. The only thing I, I the only thing that I wanted to mention, uh, just to bring in just to bring in some more positives from my side, mm-hmm. was the fact that I really enjoyed Nebula's design and execution. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think Nebula. I think the story. I think the backstory of Nebula was good. I think it was well done. I think I think that Nebula itself as a creature was well executed. And I think that if, if for any, well, if for any reason, watch the movie simply because of the artistry behind, between the, the tokusatsu of Nebula, of Nebula, I should say. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and Michael, let me ask you a quick question. Would you recommend this to people simply because it's, you know, a lunch break time runtime? Like it's very short. Would you recommend this to anybody because of that? No, I would, I would. No, I wouldn't recommend it just because it's short. I would recommend it because it's unique. And well, I mean, I th- like, what, would you recommend this to anybody who's interested in kaiju because of that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, it. There's a lot of story and a lot of there's a lot of stuff packed into a very short time frame here, and I mm-hmm. think that could be appealing to some folks. Okay. Um, so, okay, let's get into our, our final thoughts and our Godzuki score. So we usually like to rate our movies out of five Godzukis, Godzukis, because we like to embrace the sillier side of giant monster movies when there is a sillier side. Uh, and, uh, and we do that by, by using Godzuki, Godzilla's bumbling nephew, as our yardstick for these movies. Uh, doesn't feel super appropriate for this movie because of of the type of movie it is, um, but uh, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> so let's uh, let's start with Elijah. Elijah, out of five Godzukis, what would you give How from Beyond the Fog? And what are your final thoughts on the movie? Okay, so admittedly, I've tried Brief. to play like uh, I'm okay. 
I've tried I know. I know when Elijah way. says, "Okay, and we're 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 getting settled in." Uh, so I'm like, "Just be brief. Be brief." Do I need to, I need to I, go I, take I, a restroom break before this? <laughs> I just want to establish. I've tried to be middle ground so Michael isn't, you know, fighting all by himself. But the, well, I I'll, hope I I'll wasn't be... causing Michael to fight. No, no like... you. No, you're, <laughs> well, you're fine. You're fine. Go ahead, Elijah. Um, but it, it, honestly. I I love the special effects. I love the characters. It's really well made. On uh, what what Travis said is there's not a single flaw with this film. And the the only thing uh, I I would have to criticize is the ending feels a little abrupt. But it's only you know it's just slightly there. It it the story's complete, but it you know it's a little uh just quick and simple. But overall, I love it. I, I would say it's the best kaiju film we've had in decades. I think I'm, it's safe to say that. Godzilla vs. Kong is not a good movie. Um, so I would put... I, I'd give it 5 out of 5 Godzookies uh, because of that. Alright, Michael. Uh, what, what's your final thoughts and your Godzuki score? I this movie deserves to be watched at least once by every giant monster fan. If you're a fan of this genre, watch this movie at least once. Um, it's not going to be for everybody. And honestly, this movie's not for me. I and I and enjoyment for me goes a long way when I'm talking when I'm trying to re, when I'm talking about film. And because I didn't quite enjoy this as much as maybe I, uh, maybe I should have, I should say, after, after having this conversation, I feel like I should have enjoyed this movie more, um, than I did. So I'm going to, I'm just going to give it three and a half out of five Godzookies. Okay. Well, um, yeah. So for me, my final thoughts, like, uh, well, I'll say my Godzuki score. My Godzuki score is shrug out of five because I don't know how to, I don't know how to rate this movie. I, I really don't because this movie is so different from anything we've ever covered before on the podcast and, and not just in, Oh, it's a different type of movie or a different, different genre of movie. No, this, this is completely different, a completely different experience than I can even imagine from any other movie that we've covered. So I really honestly do not know what score to give it. So it's shrug out of five. Um, this, this is unlike anything I personally, and probably many other Kaiju fans have seen before. And I had to ask myself while watching this movie, is this how people felt watching Godzilla for the first time? Like watching that original 1954 Gojira? Like, is this what people from Japan watching Gojira felt when they watched that movie? Because for me, you know, as a Godzilla fan from my childhood, I, Godzilla was already a hero. And then watching it, you know, I, I knew Godzilla as I had a pre-established viewpoint of Godzilla. And then watching Godzilla 1954, I can appreciate it. But I don't I didn't have that feeling of being someone from Japan in 1954 seeing the movie. Whereas here I am watching this movie and I feel like I'm 
being given the emotions that someone would have watched the original Gojira. And we talk about how Gojira was not meant to be a silly, goofy monster movie. It was meant to be a serious, you know, exploration of emotions and stuff and, and bring out and really uh, uh, bring out the fear and, and show the fear that, that people from that time period had for nuclear power and nuclear attacks and stuff. And that's what Godzilla did for me. This is, that's kind of what, what this is doing only not for nuclear attacks. It's kind of showing uh, the progression of time and embracing the future, but also not ignoring or destroying the things from the past and in that way i think using traditional puppets a an art form that was created from like the pre-edo period to tell the story in a modern setting is again adding to that theme of embracing the past while still progressing to the future and the the loneliness and the desire to be accepted for who they were is you can feel that in Nebula and Takiri and the the other character I can't think of his name. Uh, there's just there's so much in there's so much depth, so much emotion, so much complexity in this 35 minute movie. It's more than what some two hour, three hour movies can fit into their time, and they did it in 35 minutes. It is amazing what they were able to do, and I just I'm having a trouble. I'm having trouble conveying the emotions that I'm that this movie made me feel the wonder, the fascination, the sadness, the excitement, even a little confusion. Uh, my bottom line really is stop listening to me talk about the movie and go and watch it and then see for yourself and see how it makes you feel. Whether you feel like Michael, whether you feel more like Elijah, kind of in the middle, or whether you feel like me or something else, just go and see this movie and see what it makes you feel. Yeah, I mean, but at the end of the day, though, it is still just a movie. So I'm going to press you a little bit and ask you, what would you give it if you had if if you had to give it a score? What would you give it? I'd give it a five out of five. And, and I don't think like like I, I'm not of the mindset that everything is perfect. Like uh, like I think th there are some imperfections that you see in the movie. Like even Elijah brought out, I, you know, watching Nebula move, and you can tell that it's a puppet that's being you know mechanically you know moved. But I think ultimately there is nothing in this movie that could have been done differently that would have added or taken away from the movie. Like, I think that this is what the creators, this is what Sato, uh, uh, it, it was Sato, right? Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Daisuke yeah, Sato, uh, yeah. wanted to do. This is what he wanted to make, and he succeeded in making the thing he wanted to do. And that just means to me, it's a five out of five. Okay. No, I uh, no, and, and I'm not trying to undermine anything that you said. You are you have legitimate you have a legitimate viewpoint on it, and and I am like you in the sense of I, I feel like there's you can separate your appreciation of something's artistic value from your actual enjoyment of it. You know, there's a lot of fine art pieces that I look at. And I'm like, that's an ugly piece of art. I would never hang that in my, in my house, but I also appreciate <laughs> the value that, that it, it serves in the art, you know, in, in right. art in general. So, it, you know, it moves here. Here's, here's probably a good way to put it. It moves the conversation forward. Mm hmm. 
It moves yeah. the conversation forward. It, it, it did what it needed to do. It told the story that it wanted to tell. Um, and it moved yeah. the conversation forward. Well, that's going to do it for, uh, for our discussion of how from beyond the fog. So now we can move into our next segment and Michael, well, actually, let me ask Elijah, Elijah, do you know what the next segment is? Is it the mailbag? The mailbag. What's in the mail today? And if you would like to have something read out on the Kaiju Weekly podcast, you can mail us uh, kaijuweekly at gmail.com or you can tweet us at Kaiju Weekly on Twitter and we will read it out on the show. Uh, now, Michael, last week we got a letter that was meant for both of us and I was not available. And you said you were going to read it out again this week so that I could have an opportunity to answer uh, the question that was asked. So do you want to read what's in the mailbag? Do I want to read what's in the mailbag? Are you giving me the privilege of reading what's in the mailbag? Sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not the first time, but so, okay. I feel so, I feel so honored. Wow. Okay. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and actually this you're right this is a this is a message that we actually did last week uh but you weren't here but for the fact but for the simple fact that i promised that when you came back um on the podcast i wanted to i wanted you to have an answer to this question so it comes from our friend chris degelman our friend over in germany um and he says, hello, Travis and Michael. Once again, I am feeding your mailbag with some questions for with some questions for you two. Uh, to give Travis another chance to talk about Common Rider, I would like to ask if Hollywood uh, would decide to make an American Common Rider movie, which season, excluding the original, do you think that they would that you think would be best to adapt for Western audiences and would have the best chance of succeeding in the box office? Uh, for Michael, I have a similar question. Um, if for some reason the next American Power Rangers movie would need to feature another set of Rangers or Sentai uh, rather than the classic dinosaur theme Mighty Morphing ones, which ones would you pick? As always, keep up the good work. I'm looking forward uh, for more new episodes of your show. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, if Hollywood would to, were to make an American Common Rider movie and they couldn't do the original one, um, I would probably go with Kuga or Black. Well, yeah, yeah, Black. Um, I think I think Nathan said Black um, last week when you asked the question. Uh, and the reason I go with those instead of my favorite, which is Common Writer W, is because some of the Common Writers are get get a little, for lack of a better way of putting it, Japanese um, and very anime. Uh, in style, even though they're not animated, they're just like just in the style of, of storytelling. Um, whereas I think if you're trying to appeal to an American audience, you need something that is going to be more simplistic, more grounded. And I think Kuga and Black probably have the most interesting and appealing storylines that you can tell that would appeal to a wider American or, or wider a Western audience. Uh, whereas, you know, whereas something like W or O's or even, uh, Zetto, 
might might be pushing it with its appeal to a wider audience, a wider um, uh, Western audience anyway. Now to answer, uh, since Nathan answered the last week, what uh, uh, Power Rangers or Sentai would you adapt uh, outside of the rebooting the Mighty Morphin series? Oh, I, hmm, I'd want them to go with a, uh, I don't know. It's so hard because everything is, uh, cause, cause if you take the original, the original Saban era, they're all kind of interconnected so much with each other that it's hard to do. And then if, then if you get further along, I don't know, uh, you know, I think something like lost galaxy or, Hmm. Lost Galaxy or Time Force. I, I think you guys even mentioned Time Force. I think actually you're right. I think Time Force could be adapted into a live action uh, or, or, or a big budget American production and be taken seriously. Because that's a, that's really one of the problems with with all of these tokusatsu shows is that American audiences don't generally take them as seriously, it, you know the wider audience we do but but the wider audience doesn't so i think if you get something like like uh time force and you do it in a way that or or oh one another one that you guys mentioned and i think it's is it rpm that's set in the post-apocalyptic nathan yes nathan mentioned rpm yeah the one that's the one that takes place in the post-apocalyptic world where the villain the 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 virus kind of like skynet essentially took over and they're trying to fight the those that one is a really good one i think that one could be adapted for american audiences as well yeah because that i think rpm if i'm remembering correctly is outside of the mainline continuity of rangers Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that the the post apocalyptic setting and having it be kind of like com- a computer virus that that is the main bad guy, you know, kind of fits in with your your Terminators, your you know things like that, your Robocops, whatever, uh, and and would be uh, would appeal to a wider American audience. Uh, so Elijah, what, in your opinion, what, uh, what common writer would be best adapted to American audiences and Power Rangers? Or of the zero Power? that you've seen. Of the zero uh, that you've seen. I mean, you've I, probably seen I, some. I don't think I'm qualified to answer this question at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll say this. If common writer or Ultraman were to come to the West, I would I would say nobody outside of Taika Waititi for Kamen Rider, um, or even, uh, I think uh, this director could also do a Power Rangers or Super Sentai adaptation, or James Gunn should be the mm. ones to direct it. James Gunn for Kamen Rider, yes. He's already a big fan. He would be great. Mm-hmm. So that's that's my not answer answer. Yeah, that yeah, that's good. Uh, so Chris, uh, hopefully you got uh, you the answers you were looking for, or at least got some interesting answers. And thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk a little bit about Common Writer because it happens so rarely on this podcast. <laughs> that's why I created yeah. a whole separate podcast so I can talk about Common Writer. Just just for that exact reason, people see what see what monster you have created. <laughs> uh so that's gonna be it for this week i don't think uh we don't have a trivia question for next week because we're still in listener's choice um but 
Uh, we already know what movie we're going to review next week. So, no, no. Michael, do you so, want to spoil no. it? Uh, I'll go ahead and spoil it. Um, so as Travis said, we're in the middle of listeners choice month and basically we run, we, we put out some polls, we put out some, uh, we let people vote on what we're going to cover. And so next week we're actually going to be covering a left of center movie because we do like to sneak in left of center movies that are outside of what would normally be considered kaiju and tokusatsu movies. So next week, the, uh, we are going to be covering the winner of the last poll we just ran, Planet of the Apes from 1968. My personal favorite uh, science fiction movie. Not gonna lie, like I love this movie. I'm already gonna, I'm, I'm already gonna know, I'm already know I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a very glowing review of this film. Um, Spoiler so, alert! I know, I know, but <laughs> I will simply ask our listeners, what have you ever seen the original Planet of the Apes, and what did you think about it? Give us some feedback. Tell us on our social media. We'll probably we'll probably ask that question on our Twitter, and we'll start the conversation there. Uh, so yeah, if you've seen Planet of the Apes from 1968, tell us what you think, and we will read those answers out on the next episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so to close out this episode, we want to say thank you to Elijah for joining us this week and getting ahead of Nathan uh, in your silly, silly competition on who can be a, a guest host the most. <laughs> You're you're welcome. Thank you very much. I I'm thrilled to have been able to take over the the title once more. And uh, do you want to plug anything on uh, now that we're in the end of this episode? Um, I am Elijah, the host uh, of Kaiju Conversation, a biweekly podcast that talks about uh, kaiju and tokusatsu films. Uh, recently, we just did Son of Kong. Um, so that's a lot of fun. We often do movie discussions, uh, topic discussions and interviews. So a lot of fun there. You can check us out on Twitter. Uh, you can check us out on Facebook or Instagram or our discord server. I also have a YouTube channel, ET 13 productions. It's very much dead. Might eventually come back. I also have a Twitter at ET 13 productions or at E Thomas 1975. And I have an Instagram where I typically post figure photography but due to some technical problems i haven't but if you'd like to help support me and check out my stuff i greatly appreciate it yeah and you're also a contributor to a little bitty magazine uh that is coming out so if anybody wants to check out the stuff that you've written uh check out kaiju ramen magazine because elijah has contributed pretty much to every issue at this point Mm-hmm. Every, every issue so far, and I hope I can uh, continue that streak in the future. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and we just want to say thank you to everyone for listening and sharing this podcast with your friends. If you want to follow us on Twitter, we are at Kaiju Weekly, uh, and we'll also put Elijah's uh, links to all of his... I blanked. We'll put a, we'll put the links to Elijah's social media down in the description below, uh, as well as our social media and uh, links for the Kaiju Groupie Facebook group. Uh, and we also want to say if, if you want to send us questions, comments, or answers to trivia questions, you can do that by emailing us kaijuweekly at gmail.com. We also want to say a big thank you to everyone who has supported Kaiju Ramen Magazine so far. Issue three is finally coming. 
after saying that it's on its way, it's on its way. We're finally getting it out there to you. So if you're interested in getting it, if you haven't, you can check out uh, kaijuramanmagazine.com. And if you want to help support this podcast and get some nice bonus content from time to time, you can check out our Patreon page, patreon.com slash kaijuweeklypod. I was distracted because I was trying to pull up the Patreon because we have a new Patreon supporter that I want to give a quick shout out to, Taylor Ward. Thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Uh, Your every bit of support that you give us helps us immensely helps us keep the lights on helps us keep going and helps me continue my side project which is the henshin men podcast which you can also check out in your podcast feeds yep and there's actually one more thing people can do to help support this podcast and that is by going over to Apple Podcasts and leaving us a five-star review. And what that's going to do is that's going to put this show in front of other kaiju, tokusatsu, and independent monster films and independent monster film fans just like you. Uh, It's going to help us grow. It's going to help us continue projects like Kaiju Ramen. It's going to help us continue projects like this podcast and Henshin Men. And it's going to help us uh, continue to have good conversations with guests like our friend Nathan Marchand at the Monster Island Film Vault. And, (laughs) and of course, our friend Elijah Thomas of the Kaiju Conversations podcast. Yay. (laughs) Yep. And to close out this episode, I'm going to say help control the nebula population. Have your Muppets spayed or neutered. Oh, so now you you talked up this film and now you're just going to relegate nebula to a simple Muppet now. No, I was hoping that you would just you would end the episode with saying Oh, Kermy. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye, guys. <laughs>